Hello and welcome to Socks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani. I'm joined by Tony Marchese today. Tony, we are talking about a split in that doubleheader yesterday against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, How did you feel overall about the game? Well, Johnny, it was great to see you out there at the ballpark. Um, We got to spend game one together on a good time despite the outcome. Uh, Can't lose that game. I went into that intermission break really frustrated, kind of pissed off. I think you did as well. Uh, But the Sox kind of made things right there at the end, although they did it in a very entertaining fashion. I feel like it shouldn't have come to uh, what it did. But, Johnny, it's another day. We are out of that series. Uh, What are are your thoughts? I'm going to crack a beer and uh, take a listen. Yeah, it was great great being out at the ballpark. I had tickets originally for Tuesday night, which was the postponed game. So I went and exchanged them, got tickets for Wednesday because the Wednesday tickets are the ones that were good for both games. So uh, I got in there. Me and Jake Trojan uh, was, you know, expecting to carry that momentum that we had from earlier in the season, that 3-0 streak that we had. Uh, But unfortunately, the White Sox offense hit a wall in the fourth inning right when I got there in that first game. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you were the issue there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that, uh, that was disappointing in game one. I agree with you. I was a little bit upset. I was fuming actually. Uh, that's underscoring it saying I was a little upset. I was fuming going into that intermission because it is, uh, it's the Baltimore Orioles, Tony. They are bad. They are a team that we need to beat. And, Cashner, as much as he, you know, served up some in game two, you felt like that was their better starter in those two games. Right. And, you know, we, we've talked about this over and over and over again, and we're going to continue to talk about it over and over and over again. These are teams that you have to beat. I mean, Baltimore's 11 and 20 so far in the year. Um, must not have as many rainouts as our White Sox. We're sitting at 12 and 15. But, I mean, you could have. You could have come out of here with a much better record in this series. I actually don't know if they're sitting at twelve and fifteen still, or if that's is this is from the first game um, on the box score when they won We're the second game. They came out now, thirteen yeah. and fifteen. So yeah, they but when they finished that game, they, twelve and fifteen. Um, that's not what you like to see. Giving up that game, especially with an early lead, that's one of the things we talked about um, about a week ago with this team not jumping out to these early leads. And in this ball game, they actually start the game putting up run support for Carlos Rodon, and it just never translated into a victory. Why? I don't know. This seems like the type of game that they should have been able to carry that momentum that they brought in at the beginning of the game, through the game, gone with Herrera, Calame, end ball game, win game one. Obviously, that didn't happen. Let's talk about some of the things that uh, that went wrong here. So one of the things that went wrong was Carlos Rodon only going three and two thirds, giving up five hits, three runs, three earned runs, two walks. He did end up striking out six, but that's a typical Carlos Rodon. He'll always get his strikeouts. His ERA is now up to 5.19 after that outing. So there was a tweet after the game that Rodon is dealing with a blister almost every single game. Um, I, I, I don't know how that is actually affecting that because if they say it's every game he had some solid starts earlier in the season where he looked you know almost unhittable and would only give up one maybe two 
So I don't know exactly if that's the cause of it or if there's a mechanics thing going on or what it is. I I think you, you weren't even there uh, at that point to see it because he was out of the ball game by the time you got down to the seats, at least with us. So um, that, that that's a that's a big part there. And then you go to Evan Marshall, who actually pitched well and is one and a third. Um, Carson Fulmer uh, didn't allow any runs in his two thirds. Jace Fry. Uh, he got touched a little bit for a run. It was earned, but he walked two in his time uh, out there. And then Kelvin Herrera, who ended up getting the loss, pitched one and also gave up an earned run. So um, that's that's where I'm looking at for the pitching there. And then the the biggest thing for me was the the offense dropping off. He said early lead. That's huge. We wanted that. We're thinking we're actually you know feeling pretty confident after that. After three, okay, yeah, sure, we're up. Uh, uh, four to nothing, and then Baltimore comes out in the top of the fourth and gets three back, and we're right to a one-run ball game. Yeah, and another thing here is the lineup construction versus these two games is something I want to get into. Um, game one, I really liked that lineup construction. I- I'm really surprised that it, it kind of faltered a little bit in the later innings, and I think one of the reasons that this team – kind of fell off especially in the late innings here was tim anderson was horrible at the plate in game one um ofer uh, they left three stranded so that's a guy that's been driving this offense and just did not get it done there jose abreu on the other hand did have two hits two rbis only stranded one runner but one of these things that i really like to look at down this box score is who was leaving runners on base um, and Tim Anderson tied the team high uh, with three in, in game one. And especially when you're batting in the fifth spot, you need to be putting the ball in play. Um, Timmy's had a great year so far, but, you know, games like this, especially against the Orioles, this is where, you know, you, maybe a hit or two from Timmy in this game changes the whole entire uh, outcome. I think it does. I think that, and then uh, Lurie Garcia also left three on base. McCann, all those bottom uh, three guys in the order, 7, 8, 9, McCann, Sanchez, Cordell, all left two on base. The Sox were three for 12 with runners in scoring position. So that is not a recipe for success. No, and what's actually interesting is how out of hand this ball game could have gotten. The Baltimore Orioles left 28 runners stranded during this game. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of runners compared to the Sox only leaving 17. Um the Orioles were all over the base paths during this game. Uh, it, it's actually quite amazing that they didn't score more runs than they did, and this was only a one-run ball game, in my opinion. Um, it, things just could have gotten out of hand after the third inning for the White Sox. And uh, give a little bit of a credit there to some of the relief pitching. Uh, it wasn't great, but it was good enough to get the job done. And uh, the Baltimore Orioles' offense just doesn't drive in runs, so uh, we kind of. St- duck in this one um maybe a little bit longer than we should have and you know i mean it's just frustrating again i think that's the tone whenever we have some of these losses it's frustrating we've played now um two weeks of baseball against some bottom dwelling teams in the detroit tigers and the baltimore orioles and we seem to get this kind of a mixed bag of of what version of the white Sox we're going to get in game one was was definitely that that version of the white Sox that just couldn't get the job done any other closing thoughts here on game one, Johnny? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that was just frustrating because when you look at the schedule ahead, you talked about winnable games behind us. We can keep driving at it, but it's just the facts. Uh, the Tigers, Orioles, Royals a lot this month, teams that you should beat. Now coming up, we've got the Red Sox. Sure, they are slumping right now, but we know the talent that's on that team. Uh, they are bound to rebound. Then you got the Indians, four um, Blue Jays, couple series, uh, another quick Cleveland series, Houston at Houston, at Minnesota, uh, and then I guess you finish out with the Royals. But even then, you got another two-game set. Uh, well, the last two of May will be starting a weekend set um, with the Indians. So it, it's it's tough stretch ahead, and th- this was a this one left sour taste in my mouth because of that, and just the inability to do anything past the uh, third inning offensively. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's my closing thoughts on that game. Definitely frustrating. Uh, let's head right into game number two. A little bit of a different outcome here. Um, one that we actually really like. This game was a little bit more exciting from an offensive standpoint. Um, in the break, we were actually laughing about one of the tweets that uh, that White Sox Dave had put out there uh, about taking the over in this ball game. I I wasn't so sure if that was a safe bet, but uh, apparently it was. Uh, a lot of runs scored here in this in this one. Um, seven to six was the final. Uh, you got to start from. Uh, on the Baltimore side, it was Andrew Kashner versus Nova. Nova's been really bad of late. Uh, in this ball game, he went five and two thirds. Uh, did give up nine hits, five runs, all of them earned. Walked two and struck out five. He did give up two home runs. Um, I mean, that, this seems to be the Ivan Nova that we're going to be getting for quite a while, Johnny. I don't know how that makes you feel, but it doesn't leave me with a warm and fuzzy feeling. No, not at all. And this was the pitching matchup that we had actually talked about on Monday night. So this one got bumped to the second game of this doubleheader. And I was saying, uh, you know, I would love to see, you know, we need to see the Ivanova that we saw at Yankee Stadium. And we got the Ivanova that we are expecting, like you had just mentioned. Um, that that was that's rough to see. Um Granted, they they limited some damage after that, getting uh, one and a third out of Bummer and uh, two spotless from Diego Vieira, which was a nice surprise. But you know, you can't. Put, yeah, that was an interesting surprise. You can't be putting yourselves in uh, these holes, though, especially against a team like this. But hey, you know what? Uh, baseball's a weird game sometimes, and uh, Yonder Alonso probably not the guy that you'd expect to get that game-winning hit. You know, they were going to potentially walk Brayut. Uh, to get to him, and uh, he came through when it mattered. I think he was over the day up until that point. You know what? I feel like this could hopefully be a turning point for Yonder Alonso. He's currently batting 183. Um, that's not good. That's not good at all, um, especially from a guy that you know is more of a career mid 200s hitter. Uh, you know he's slumping. So that there's gonna be there's gonna be a time for him to you know almost regress back to normal here. Um, and I, I feel like that uh, a hit like that can actually spark something for a guy like Yonder. I'm really happy if we have, you know, Abreu, Yonder, uh, Tim Anderson, three, four, five there. I think that's good, especially if you put Yon Moncada in the two spot. I'm going to get into this in a second. But um, there's a lot of power right there. There's a, there's a ton of power. There's a lot of opportunity to drive in runs and – that's how the lineup's going to need to click 
and Yonder's going to be a big piece in it. We've seen Yonder just slotted down there in like the 6-7 spot in some of these games. It's kind of frustrating to me to leave all that power down in the in the bottom half of the order, but he just hasn't made any justification as to why he should be batting cleanup um, so far this year. But, I mean, he came through in the clutch last night. Um, the lineup construction, though, in this one was really, really weird. Uh, Moncada leading off with Delmonico in the two spot. Uh, then you go that 3-4-5. I said I'm fine with that. Castillo, Sanchez, Cordell and then Engel. Not the best lineup that the White Sox can construct. What are your thoughts on that, on that starting lineup, Johnny? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was odd when we saw that in that break. We were up in the Revolution uh, tap room, and we took a look at the lineup uh, that they had tweeted out. And, you know, I think going back to White Sox Dave thing, he he was like, WTF is this? When he quote tweeted it. And, right. You know, because after he had already placed his bet on the over there. So uh, that was kind of my same reaction, though. I was like, what? what is this? What's going on here? Uh, Nicky Delmonico didn't show you anything in the first game that would justify moving him up to the two hole. He struck out twice in the first game. He ended up striking out three times in this game. So and was, was pinch hit for. He was pinch yeah, hit was, for in a crucial situation. Yes, yes, he was. Um, but you know, other than that, you got Yonder uh, there in the four hole still. Maybe they're just trying to activate him. Uh, maybe saving the one hit for a home run. You know, bringing some runs. That's what you're looking for there. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of uh, scratching my head a little bit. Uh, Ryan Cordell goes over in this game struck out three times as well got pinch hit for in that ninth inning uh Lurie Garcia who drew a walk and ended up scoring the tying run on Yonder's hit uh you know the walk off so he scored the tying run angle ended up scoring the winning run so it, it was it was odd to me to say the least uh Ryan Cordell and Nicky Delmonico just not getting it done at the plate well, and this game can almost be classified as the Adam Engel game when we look back at it, Johnny. Um, he was phenomenal. Uh, you know, it, it was really weird because as soon as I saw the lineup come out, I'm like, why are we starting Engel in center field? I, I get it in the doubleheader, but put the best lineup that you that gives your team the best chance to win. And, and Lurie Garcia is that guy, uh, hands down every day, to get the, the lion's share of the at-bats out of that center field spot. Um so giving four at-bats to Adam Engel wasn't exactly I, what I felt to be the recipe for success. But like we said, baseball's a really freaking weird sport sometimes. And Adam Engel uh, winds up scoring two runs on three hits, drives in a run. Um, just all-around good play today or yesterday from, from Adam Engel. Um, came up big in some crucial situations as well. Uh, you know, I thought he was going to be the guy that got pinch hit for. Um and they actually pinch hit for Cordell and Delmonico in this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Engel just somehow survived through that. And, hey, I mean, and like you said, Yonder Alonzo in the four spot probably didn't deserve to be there uh, from lineup construction standpoint, um, just based on his history so far this year. Um, and he slots in right there. Uh, you also didn't see McCann in this game. Um, but weird way to win a ball game with that lineup. I guess you can't really complain. Um, but it's just, we don't, we haven't seen a consistent lineup yet from Ricky at all this year. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'm, I'm more of a fan of a consistent lineup, getting guys, um, you know, repetitions in the same spot. Um, and then I'm also not really a fan of 
placing just random people in that two spot all the time. And that seems to be shuffling. I, in my opinion, I think Mankata uh, or Tim Anderson should just settle in there and, and just remain at that spot. I don't know. So, what, are you, what are your thoughts? So, so I am with you. Uh, for the most part, I do like consistency, especially at the top there. If you can get guys in grooves, uh, they know where they're going to be hitting. They know when they're going to see what pitches. So, you know, Mancata, I would like, I think his ideal spot right now is the two hole. But I will say that I can't be totally shocked because Ricky was inconsistent last year with lineups. And then during spring training, he also said that we are going to see Johan Mancata in the leadoff spot. So here was a example of a time that we, you know, we're going to see it. Um, he was there, went, went over so that, you know, chalk that up to what you will. Uh, I don't know if he's, you know, being a, but then, you know, that your two guys not doing any better. Yankee Del Monaco there. So no, um, no, it, it's, it was it's tough weird. to see it. I, I feel like you're kind of uh, taking a little bit of a hit there from, you know, one of the guys that can give you a lot of production in you on Moncada. So I agree with you. I like it to be a little more consistent. But then if we talk about on the on the flip side of that coin, if we talk about guys not deserving to be there, well, if you're going consistent, then Yonder Alonso has been consistently in the DH hole, uh, or excuse me, in the uh, four hole, as, whether it be as a DH or a first baseman. So um, that may be one that you would be willing to move a little bit further down the lineup. But I, I think at the top, I'd like to see a little more consistency. And, uh, you know, guys that that uh, aren't seeing the ball well that day, especially, you know, this is a doubleheader, you have a chance to evaluate these guys first time out. Right. Uh, Nicky Delmonico is not the answer in the two-hole there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Do you think Ricky went into the break with a lineup already constructed for game two? Or do you think that he did judge play in game one and then made that lineup in the in the interim right there? Because I wonder if this was set plan or if he made this via judgment of anything. That's that's a big question for me is was you know, was was Nicky Delmonico coming in and batting second regardless of how he played in game one. What do you think the answer to that question is? Um, I'm going to say if it was a judgment call, then it was some pretty poor judgment here. Um, so I'm going to guess that it was probably planned. Um, they probably at least, you know, angle, you're going to give Lurie center first game, angle center second game. I guess it may be a matter of, you know, moving up and down based on what you see. But, you know, angle, they usually like in that nine hole speed to turn the lineup over. So um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that it was for the most part, pre-planned because you know you saw you saw the flop of Abreu at first yonder DH in the um, first game flip that in the second game that had to be planned you know uh, same flip with uh, McCann Castillo McCann catches the first game Castillo yep. catches the second game so I feel like there's there's definitely some planning there especially I mean in double hutter you can't have the guys don't catch 18 innings in double hutter anymore so yeah, uh, no. but it, yeah that I would guess probably planned. But I was actually expecting to see McCann in the DH spot in game two. Um, just if you're putting your best lineup out there, why not go with the guy that's hitting around 350 over the guy that's hitting 183? I know I'm making a, a hindsight call here, and but Yonder got the winning hit. So, I mean, it, it ended up working out. I just – there was way too many guys in this lineup batting – around 180 when you've got 
Castillo hitting 189, Yonder hitting 183, and Delmonico hitting 188. That's three guys batting under 200. That's It just doesn't seem like a recipe for success, especially we're more a month in. And Delmonico is probably the only exception to this. He hasn't had that many at-bats. But, you know, you have other guys available who are hitting better. And especially after losing game one, you would think that they would try and just put their best players out there game two. I don't. Th- I don't know if they did that. I don't know if they they put themselves in that position to win as as much as they could have. Um, just my observation on it. Um, regardless, though, I mean, we got the win, Johnny. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Hey, a walk walk off. It's always fun. You know, yeah. you see the team go and celebrate. I think that does also instill a little bit of confidence. You talk about stepping up in big moments. I think that instills a little bit of confidence in a guy like Yonder Alonso. So hopefully, we see that um, a little bit of rebound in this Boston series coming up this weekend. Absolutely, and I, one thing that I want to see continue is this Jose Abreu trend to Ooh, ten, bat up ten to game yeah. streak now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he went. He his average went from around those one eighties all the way up to a two ninety two right now. Um, this Love ascend it. towards three hundred for Jose has been wonderful. I think a lot of these wins that we've seen are coming on the back of Jose Abreu's play, um, as much as they've been on Tim Anderson so far this year. If we can get you know, four or five of these guys clicking instead of just two or three. It's going to be an exciting offense to watch. Let's talk a little bit about what we've got going on into the weekend. Um, Boston is coming into town. We've mentioned this over and over again. Let's get a little preview of the pitching matchup that we've got going on today, this afternoon, or early night. Uh, David Price versus Lucas Giolito. He's making his return to the mound. Um, Thoughts on this pitching matchup? So I'm excited to see Giolito back out there. Um, he said that he felt good in his bullpen sessions that he had thrown. He even uh, simulated resting, you know, sat down for five minutes in between, see how it would feel, that hamstring getting back up and throwing again. So he finished out his bullpen after that, and they talked to him right after in the dugout. So I'm excited to see Giolito back out there. You know, he's 2-1, and one, 5.30 ERA. Um, but, you know, this is it's a big year for Lucas Giolito. He's got a, a lot to prove, I think. So I want to see how he goes up against one of the better pitchers in baseball. And uh, in David Price, I know the Red Sox staff in general has been struggling. The Red Sox themselves in general have been struggling. So David Price is 1-2, and two, the 3.6 ERA. He struck out 37 on the year, though. So um, uh, it's going to be interesting. And uh, uh, I am excited to see Lucas Giolito start tonight. How about you? I am as well. I mean, we haven't seen Lucas in a while. And for a little bit there, Manny Banuelos filled in for Lucas and I think did an excellent job. He's been quite the surprise so far this year. I think he's got the best numbers as far as White Sox starters go. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Lucas. Let's try and get that 5.3 ERA down. Um, I think that Lucas should be a little bit more calm uh, with the with the start coming at home versus in Fenway against the Red Sox. So, you know, it's always going to be a tough task when you're coming back off of an injury and facing an, an offensive juggernaut team like the Boston Red Sox. So we'll just see what he does. I'd be okay if he gets five, six innings here, um, giving up under four runs. I think it'd be a good start for, for Lucas. Um, I think this game's going to be whichever offense can crack through first. And I, I give advantage Boston here. I know Boston hasn't been great this year. They're 14 and 17. They're sitting right around with the White Sox uh, record of 13 and 15. Um, so winnable ball games again. But uh, 
you have to understand that, that the the Red Sox are the Red Sox. They are a better team constructed than the White Sox. So that's why I'm giving advantage to them in this game, um, especially with a pitcher coming off of an injury. Although, uh, one thing to say about Lucas Giolito, though, when he is on, he is on. And we'll have to see how that breaking ball looks today because that could be a really differentiating factor in today's ball game. Yeah, definitely. You know, it also could be a differentiating factor and a huge factor uh, playing into Lucas Gilo coming off the DL is the weather. It is expected to be in the very low 40s with the wind chill bringing it down. Feels like in the upper 30s. So that is not an ideal situation to come back in, especially if, no. he, uh, you know, with a hamstring strain is what he hit the DL with or the uh, 10 day IL with uh, back on April 18th. So. Uh, that that doesn't inspire confidence exactly to me. No, it does not. Um, and let's hope that the weather holds. We've we've already had some rainout stuff going on this uh, this week, Johnny. Uh, it it did lead to an awesome doubleheader at the ballpark yesterday, but um, I don't want any doubleheaders. I'm heading down on Saturday uh, to see the Red Sox and the White Sox. I'm going to get that Manny Banuelo start. Uh, I get to see him pitch for the first time, but. Um, another interesting matchup on the horizon here is Chris Sale, Reynaldo Lopez on Friday. Um, I, I, this is going to be a really fun series to watch. I, I'm I'm stoked. I love when the Red Sox come to town. Uh, they're one of my favorite other teams to watch in baseball. So, um, wh- what do you think we're going to do? Early early predictions here for this series, Johnny. I am going to go with a split. I'll, I'll say split. we I'll say we split. Um, I will be at two of these games tonight. Uh, I'll be there to see this Lucas Giolito comeback start, and I will also be there Saturday, so we'll have to meet up for a beer tone. Absolutely. Um, so that, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. And you talk about Chris Sale starting on Friday night. You know, he's been off to a rough start this year. He called himself, you know, embarrassing for his fans, himself, his family, his teammates, everything. Uh, really heaping it on himself, but Gotta isn't get that money. You know, Chris Sale such a fiery guy? Isn't this the type of game you know coming back to his old team that's gonna get him going again? There's just gonna feels be like it, there's it? gonna be one of two things because we did see Dylan Covey last year just outduel Chris Sale, he and did. that was really fun to watch. So there's gonna be one of two things that happens: Chris Sale is gonna throw a complete game just beautiful start one of those starts that goes down as you know one of the best in his career you know it's like 14 strikeouts i could see him i could see him challenging reynaldo for 14 strikeouts let's see what kind of lineup ricky puts out first that's you know that could always be a different factor if we got delmonico in the two hole um you might be getting three three k's right there from chris sale um Let's see if anybody's sitting in the K zone with those uh, with those you know red K's holding those up over there <laughs> God, yeah. over on the other side of uh, what is that one fifty seven? Um, that'd be interesting to see if anybody's doing that. But you know this is it's either going to be a great performance from Chris Sale or he's going to be out of this ball game by the third inning. Um, you know, there's also that nerve factor, and I think him coming back to uh, the rate uh, and pitching against his former team. You know, it could it could end up not going his way. So it's it'll be it'll be really fun to watch. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, I feel like Friday energy is a little different at the ballpark. Yeah. Um, you, you get your groups of uh, r- rowdy folks, and they like to jump on every little mistake. So not saying that that totally affects players, but, you know, it's a little bit uh, more difficult than if you're coming in on a weeknight game um, when it's sparse. You know, that's, so. a, that's, a, that's a good take because, you know, in a, in a, in a day like yesterday— you know, you still have some rowdy fans, but people aren't jumping all over the ball players the way that people are on a Friday or even a Saturday night. Um, people tend to get a little bit looser at the ballpark, uh, and they they do get all over some people. So players do have ears too, Johnny. They can hear what That's we true. say. They can hear what we say. They can be affected by, um, you know, taunts, cheers, jeers, whatever. But. Um, not saying that Chris Sale is a mentally weak guy because I don't think that he is at all. Uh, there's just always something about playing your former team. Some people do it very well, others don't. And track record wise, you know, getting beat by Dylan Covey last time he faced the White Sox, you know, that's in Chris Sale's mind. Yeah. That that you know that's a, that's another good point too. Uh, recency factor. So yep. granted, granted, it was last summer when that happened. But still, recency factor. Last time he actually played us, so um. yeah, that's true. But you know, this is going to be a fun. This is going to be a fun series. Um, I'm also going with you on the two-two split here. Uh, not sure what games those are going to come in. I can see the uh, the Banuelos game versus Eduardo Rodriguez uh, being quite the pitcher's duel, actually. Uh, even though uh, Rodriguez is uh, two and two with a six point one six. Uh, Banuelo seems to just get involved in some of these more pitcher dually type games. Uh, I think the weather should be a little bit better on Saturday. Um, so we'll see yep. what that, what that has any effect on anything, but, um, no starter named yet for the White Sox on Sunday. Um, you know, with that double header, uh, yesterday you had two guys throw. So maybe shy Sox John does right. Maybe we get that Dylan Covey start. Who knows? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, who knows? So, um, you know, I'm okay with the 2-2 split here. The Sox are, you know, close to 500. Let's just recap a little bit of the end of April. We're into May now. Um, Did you predict the White Sox to be only two games below 500 at this point in time, Johnny? Uh, No, I did not. That's just the straight-up answer. Um, I thought we'd probably be more like five below uh, that was probably more five to six probably a more realistic expectation if we're going back to my uh 67 win total i believe yeah. was my prediction in our shy Sox weekly blog uh before the season so th- that's more of what i was expecting but got some good stuff out of tim anderson this month yoan Mancata looks great jose is heating up now so that's another reason to listen to socks on tap we talked about jose heating up 10 game hit streak now when Com- patrick comiskey and i when the the White Sox were at Detroit a couple of weekends ago, that was a four game weekend series. Ended up being short in the rain, uh, but we did a Sox on tap post game after the first game. The White Sox ended up losing, but I said, "Hey, my pick to click going forward here is Jose Abreu. He's going to start turning it on. Um, it, it's it's about time. He's too good of a hitter not to." And sure enough, here we are. Yep, daily double maybe back. Yep, and same thing uh, when when uh, Brad Squires and I were talking when Jose was still hitting one eighty. Um, I had said, I want, I want Jose to put 50 points on that batting average over the next week here. And he 
has put almost 100 points on that batting average. So you want to go for daily double, double down on what I ask him to put on the batting average, and, and here we are. So Love it. You know, it, it's fun to track these guys through uh, through the season. Johnny, I know you got to get to the ballpark. We're going to get this out there so that everybody can listen to this as their post-game show for yesterday, pre-game show for today. I think that's all we've got for Socks on Tap. Any final closing thoughts? This beer is almost empty, so I'm going to have to go get another one. Um, all I got is I just flat out am not a fan of Boston, the city, Boston, the teams and Boston's fan bases. So Boston, we're coming for you. Let's go White Sox. Let's go Sox.